This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA. Live and local, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT, 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM. Your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather. Streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen. Your morning drive just got a whole lot better. Good morning, America. Here's Tom Anderson. Well, good morning, everybody. Tom Anderson Show. So happy to have you with us. And I'm looking outside and I'm saying to myself, another sunny day, we are blessed. We had some friends visiting from California and they just went. And I don't know, Tom Steigelman, good morning. I don't know if you've ever gone to McCarthy or to the mine system there or lately to Valdez, but they just got back last night and they loved it. They said it was really fun. Yeah, no, I've never had a taken the opportunity to go up see the mines those kind of things i've been to valdez multiple times um but it's probably been you know seven or eight years since i've been down to valdez so that's a that's a beautiful drive though i love that hitting the waterfall and everything on your way in it's perfect yeah no it really is it really is and i i haven't been there in a while either but it's something that i'd like to do and just looking at the weather i wouldn't you think for sure we have a record this year for sun for days of sun this summer, or certainly close to a record, seems yeah, like it. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it seems like we've had a little more than usual. You I know, know we I, had rain. I mean, recently. we really only had the, recently we just had, what, a week, week and a half of rain, but that was just one, you know, spurt. spurt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, good word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That spurt of rain, and yeah. I was gone. I made sure to get the hell out of here. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> and I appreciate you for that. Oh, yeah, boy. yeah. No, it's a it's a fascinating, cyclical, maybe permanent summer condition here, where we have warmer seventies, mid seventies, high, low eighties. I hope so because mm-hmm. it was certainly cool to me over the summer to watch our plants and the ecosystems around our house and our, our, you know, our grass. We had to replant some grass and it seems to be growing quite well. So high five mother nature. Happy Thursday. My favorite day of the week. We're going to get into a ton of news like we do every morning and we'll take your calls as well. Three, five, seven, five, eight, six, eight. If you want to join us, three, five, seven, 58, 68. Here's some big news in Tom, I've asked you before, have you ever flown Spirit? Have you ever flown Frontier? Have you ever flown JetBlue? There's a bunch of airlines out there that are trying to angle to become bigger by joining. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with American Airlines and I think United, Delta, those are the big guns. And then you've got number four, Southwest, which I've never taken. Those are the big four. The fifth largest would only come from a JetBlue and a Spirit airline merger. But Spirit and Frontier airline, Frontiers, they have been trying for months, just fell apart yesterday. And lo and behold, the next day, today, JetBlue and Spirit Airlines announce a plan to merge. It would create the fifth largest carrier in the United States. Spirit is valued at $3.8 billion. And like I say, this comes a day after Frontier's bid for Spirit 
fell apart. Now, of course, there'll be the typical antitrust scrutiny to make sure there's no mm-hmm. monopoly and there's no shenanigans. But JetBlue Airlines this morning said that they'd reached a deal to buy Spirit Airlines, a merger that's going to reshape really the airline industry because it's going to put pressure on the nation's four dominant airlines, the one I just mentioned, American United, Delta, and Southwest. $3.8 billion for Spirit. Uh, they'd be the fifth largest with a combined share of more than 10% of the market behind United Airlines, which has nearly 14% of the share. Looks like Delta Airlines and Southwest Airlines control more than 17% each, and then Americans the largest at 18%. So all of these are a little under 20%, and in aggregate, they make it up. Now, of course, Alaska Airlines is a big gun, and Hawaii Airlines, Hawaiian Airlines is a big gun, but not of that size. So they're in the top 10. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I would just say, you know, bigger isn't always better. I mean, expanding like that, uh, you got to be very careful. You got to be very calculated, uh, you know, on those type things. Taking a look at JetBlue stock, now that you brought it up, it's uh, down almost 3% this morning. So uh, it's down 25 cents a share right now is what they're trading at. And that's with that news coming out. So I don't know. We'll see uh, how that affects the rest of the airline stocks today. Just as I'm glancing through a couple of those, uh, Hawaiian Airlines are down almost five and a half percent this morning. Jeez. American Airlines down almost four percent. Uh, let me see. Mesa. Eh, they're kind of a small nobody. Uh, let me see. Alaska Airlines. They're off almost two percent this morning. Oh, boy. So, yeah, I don't I We'll see how that uh there's a ripple effect in the in the force yeah, right. airlines. Well, well, JetBlue and Spirit said they expected to seek approval for this deal uh, by early 2024. So and I, I would it's expect that instant. they would get it. Yeah, yeah. me too. Me too. I, I mean, I, I don't, you know, with the other competitors that are out there and stuff, I don't think they're going to have any problems getting that through. I don't, uh, you know, unless they start really microanalyzing the regional uh, capacity of those airlines and maybe that's you know where they could run into some hic- hiccups you know like if they're the only ones going from you know chicago to phoenix or something yeah. like that no it's true it's true and, and there's other dimensions to this i mean if regulators prevent the deal if it's the opposite i agree with you and concur but i think that you never know if it doesn't go through and it's prevented JetBlue would have to pay like 70 million bucks Ouch. and spirit <laughs> would have to pay and that's to spirit and then mm-hmm. 400 million to its shareholders. So under the merger agreement, JetBlue would acquire spirit for at least 3350 per share in cash, significantly more than the spirit's closing price of 2430 Wednesday. And, and what did you say? You looked it up this uh, morning. Yeah. Jet, JetBlue's down 3% right now. How about spirit stock? Uh, I'll have to pull that up real quick. Yeah. Here. If you don't mind, cause that'd be cool. JetBlue would pay shareholders 250 per share upfront on approval of the deal. That's where all of this gets complicated. They're expected to uh, put in about 700 million annual savings from spending fixed costs. And you know, there's just, there's a whole lot of juggling and moving around. Spirit error, they are up a little over 3%. So they're yep. up 81 cents a share trading right now at 25.10. There you go. So JetBlue will get them less than that if they continue to move up. Mm-hmm. But there you have it. For those of you that are are interested in airlines, um, now you kind of get a, a perspective of what's going on. And I would say 
you know, that's a, it's a big deal in that world for sure. I was reading about Facebook and real quick, Zuckerberg is trying to look at a metaverse, a new system kind of competing with the internet. I don't know if it's going to work. His biggest pain right now is TikTok. And, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing videos there that people are looking at. You're seeing ads now. Instagram is getting bigger and they're getting into videos. People are like, wait, wait, wait. Stop doing anything. Stop being a TikTok. Just show photos. And Instagram's like, no way. We want to do ads. Uh, you're going to see a lot of evolution there. And that's a story that we can get into in the future. But will Facebook survive or not? I bet it will. But there's a lot of challengers. So not just in the airlines, in the Internet as well and all over the place. We're going to come right back. Stay with us Thursday, Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Hey, we're back. Good morning, everybody. Tom Anderson Show. So happy to have you joining us and happy for you to get the latest in news. I sound like a weather reporter and weather and sports. This is K-Tom, K-Tom Steigelman. No, it's not. I did look for those call letters when we got that new station in Fairbanks, but they weren't available. <laughs> that be fun? Oh, boy, that would be fun. Okay, what else is in the news? I try to go down the line and get you the, the fun stuff and get you things that may be of interest. Here's one. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has offered a prisoner exchange with Russia. Convicted arms dealer Victor Bout hold up here in America for NWA player Brittany Griner and fellow American Paul Whelan. The move runs really counter to unofficial Department of Justice precedent. You know what I mean? They normally don't trade bad guys for our good guys. They're largely, their policy is against like prisoner swaps. But this comes after, you know, many, many months of pressure to bring Griner home. Griner was detained by Russia in February for drug possession. And I don't know what it was with her. She, she takes cannabis oil or something and she had it in her vape pipe, this, that. And Russia doesn't allow that. They're like super anti-drug. And so they use that all the time to get people to strong her. And they grabbed her easily and said, nope. You could get up to 10 years. I mean, it's ridiculous. But Whalen was charged with alleged espionage back in 2018. His family has been pressing and pressing and pressing to get him out of there. And they lobbied Trump and, and lobbied Biden. And when this happened, they were like, oh, my God, this is a window of opportunity. If you're going to let Brittany go, would you let our our dad, our, our you know, our husband, our our family member, Paul, go? And it looks like the Biden administration said, yeah, we'll, we'll merge them together. So I'm happy for him. Another big deal. If Democrats and Republicans can, can agree on one thing, it's that the U.S. needs to make more semiconductor chips to counter China's growing economic influence. 
with bipartisan support. Looks like the U.S. Senate has approved a $280, $280. That's a little bit. Yeah, woohoo. I'll write that check. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I wish someone would make that error when they're paying me. How about a $280 billion? I forgot the billion. Sorry, Carl Sagan. Chip bill that would incentivize more domestic production of semiconductors. And of course, those are the key things. Hey, military equipment at a broader level, but for us, like a car, our cell phone, you name it, computers, if passed by the House, and it's expected to, I might add, this chip bill is going to represent the most significant government investment here in the U.S. in American industrial policy in decades. So, Tom, that's a big one, in my opinion. Wall Street Journal talks about this. Uh, It's just, it's it's a huge one. And it reflected growing concerns really from both parties that the U.S. lacks this long-term response to Beijing's what would you call it? Technological rise, economic rise, um, you know, and they, uh, they galvanized it during COVID-19. It's scary what's going on with the semiconductor chip industry. And we're so dependent on Taiwan. You know, we pray to God that Taiwan doesn't get attacked by China or get interrupted in its commerce by China. So, I, I just, I urge people to look into this because it's, it's huge. I mean, the legislation reflected New York Times reports a remarkable and rare consensus agreement in what, what I would say is a polarized Congress because they want to look at the long-term strategy. Beijing, you know, China's a geopolitical rival to be sure. Now, this plan, this bill, the semiconductor effort is centered around investing federal money into basically cutting-edge technologies. New York Times says it's going to bolster innovation. It's going to bolster the nation's industrial, technological, and military strength. And thank God the Democrats agree. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because if they didn't, I mean, this would suck. The bill wouldn't get through, obviously. We only have 50 in the Senate. And it's a huge need. I mean, just on the technology side, even for the radio stations, uh, you know, things are very delayed because they just can't get the chips they need to make the equipment. And that's whether you're dealing with U.S. manufacturers or Canadian manufacturers. Everything is just backed up. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's hugely important. And, of course, you know, I'm talking about radio and nobody else cares about radio transmitters right now. But, it you know, certainly does affect your vehicles, you know, and multiple other things. Do you think that – and I'm looking at the article here while you're talking. Do you think that will affect China's mentality? And if it does, what could they do to counter what we're doing? Uh, I don't know, other than ramp up their production. Yeah, I mean, they could... Or slow it for us, to hurt us, and say, oh, you want to you wanna keep buying? You're going to sign a contract. Yeah, exactly. You know, they would probably start, you know, turning the screws like that if it, you know, continues. I mean, I could see them... You know, like, you know, in other words, if you were delivering something to me, and right. I said, I'm going to start competing with you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that, pr- that widget, as we say in economics, mm-hmm. that, you know, that fake uh, item. Well, I, I, I'm going to start making widgets, Tom. What would you do if I said that? Would you raise the price of your widget to me? Would you slow trade with me? Would you look for other trading partners to lock in a contract? You know, what would be the response? Th- that's what China's thinking right now. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, they'll be raising prices on other things because, you know, when a competitor comes in, you know, just business-wise, competitive-wise, I mean, you start thinking of ways, well, how can I slow them down? What can I do to hurt them? What can I do to make it more difficult? You know, so I can be the winner. I mean, that's what it's about in these things. It's about the money and who's going to get it. Agreed. Well, and for the semiconductor bill, the legislation will next be considered by the House of Representatives, where it's expected to pass with with some Republican support for sure. President Biden, who's backed the package for more than a year, could sign it into law as early as this week. And I don't see that happening, but in the next two days, the bill is a convergence of economic and national security policy. New York Times reports that it would provide $52 billion in subsidies and additional tax credits to companies that basically manufacture semiconductor chips in the United States. It would also add 200 billion, all that come that's a quarter of a trillion with a T for research. Scientific, especially in artificial intelligence, robotics, things like quantum computing and a bunch of other technologies. The bill also calls for pouring 10 billion into the Department of Commerce, which would also dole out the chip subsidies to companies that apply to create they call it 20 regional technological hubs across the country. That's the brainchild of U.S. Senator Todd Young, who's a Republican of Indiana. So. This is cool stuff. Schumer said, well, the hubs would aim to link together research universities with private industry. The effort is to kind of create a Silicon Valley-like center with all these regions and these hubs. And, you know, I guess that's going to help prevent other countries from competing with us or defeating us or beating us or I don't know. But that's the newest. And we've talked about this semiconductor chip evolution for a while now so high five to democrats and republicans getting along it's one of the reasons i support lisa murkowski yep i'm a republican true blue i bleed republican my friends i've been a republican since i registered to vote at a bartlett high school at age 18 but i will tell you sometimes you got to work with the other team and that's the only way for momentum and progress and technological you know an evolution in a good way and 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 getting ahead of countries like china that are ahead of us by far and rare earth elements and minerals is the next target i hope and then space is the next target as china builds its space station and china and russia and india looking at the moon and settlements and we don't want anyone to say well we own the moon or antarctica or the arctic ocean but they're all beating us when it comes to jumping ahead russia has what 20 icebreakers some of them are old but we have one we just we gotta get a hold of this and get ahead of the the power curve and this is a start with semiconductors which is huge less dependence that's what i'm happy about so we're going to come right back stay with us if you want to join us you can phone line is 907-357-5868 it's thursday good morning tom anderson show if i still feel i focus on the pain the only thing that's real The needle tears a hole The old familiar sting Try to kill it all away But I... <laughs> 
This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Oh, we're back. Good morning, everybody. Tom Anderson Show. So happy to have you with us. Phone lines are open, 907-357-5868, We're on 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. We're right here on KVNT, 1020 a.m., and also, you can listen to us at 92.5 FM. TomAndersonShow.com brings you to KVNT's website, and you can listen and stream. If you're driving and you want to listen through your Bluetooth, you just, you know, connect your phone to TomAndersonShow.com or KVNT's website, and, and that's the, the originating website, and you're good to go. And then you can also check out our podcasting. You can check out our YouTube page, All Tom Anderson Show, and also Facebook pages for KVNT and Tom Anderson Show. Obviously, I'm part of the family at KVNT, so we're linked across the board, and we love it. So there's lots of ways. You, you know, the other thing you can do, you can stick with us throughout the day if you want to get business, you want to get local hunting like with, with Tom's son Charles, and you want to get into politics with Jim Minnery and resource development, policy discussions with Rick Whitbeck, Power of the Future, Family Council. There's all sorts of shows, local shows in the afternoon. And then throughout the day, I mean, there's really no better for podcasting than Charlie Kirk. He's got a radio show now. Salem Radio Network hired him and he's on right after us, national live show. And then you've got, you've got intermittently Sebastian Gorka and Hugh Hewitt. Hugh Hewitt was on the other day when we drove in to go out of state, Tom, two weeks ago. We were listening to Hugh Hewitt. And, um, I can't remember what time that was, but you have him on intermittently. Mm-hmm. The re, it was a rerun on 1020. You, you were playing him. It was like late at night and red eye is good. And, and you just, you know, Lars Larson out of Portland. Sorry to go through the, the, the whole lineup, but they really have a good lineup. Mike Gallagher before my show, he's one of the best, certainly the top five in the nation. And so that's what you have. And Jim Bohannon at night. So pretty cool. KVNT really has a jam-packed assortment of local and national hosts. Proud to be part of it. And that's right here on 1020 AM and then 92.5 FM. Okay, so I got the American Patriot Almanac's daily email, Tom, from Bill Bennett and John T.E. Cribb. And I was reading this morning's as kind of a fun one. We'll see which ones you get. Let me count how many there are. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. There are 15 cities. And I'll tell you here what the quiz is all about. On July 28, 1896, the hamlet of Miami was incorporated with a population of just a few hundred people only way back when. By 1900, it had 1,600 residents. By 1910, the town's population was 5,500. By 1925, with subdivisions and neighborhoods, it was 100,000 people. It's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And people say, it grew, and there's a word in that line, it grew like blank. I'm not going to say the name because that's part of the test. Americans love to give nicknames to their hometowns. I want Tom Steigerman to try to figure out what the nickname is for all of these. You can't cheat, can't look it up. So we'll go down the list of 15. They appear to be in alphabetical order. What is Boston? 
That's Bean Town, isn't it? Yep. What is Chicago? Let me hold on to my hat. Yeah, the Windy City. Yep. What's Dallas? Oh, Dallas. Uh, hmm. It, what's I the don't song know. by? Well, there's a song by. Uh, if it's an old country song, you know I don't know it. No, I know, but I, I, I'm, I'm, he say, he says, "I'm headed for the blank, blank, and don't mean Dallas." Yeah, he's gonna not- get a divorce. He says, "I'm heading for the big D." The big, and D. I don't mean I didn't know that, but big D is Dallas. Okay, here's one you better get. Um, if you're high up in the clouds, what's Denver? Oh, that's the mile high city. Yep. So you're four out of, or you're, um, three, three out, out of four. four. What's Detroit? Detroit motor city. Yep. I was about to say Ted Nugent is the motor city madman. What's Los Angeles. That's easy. It's last name. Yeah. Second. It's the city of angels. Yep. What's Milwaukee. Ooh. You know what they drink there. Uh, yeah, it's gotta be something with, uh, Brew. Yep, Brew uh, City. You Brew got City. Okay. What's Nashville? Nashville. It also has the second word you just said, but it's a different thing. What's Nashville? Yeah, it's Music City, for? isn't yep. it? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then how about New Orleans? That's a weird one. New Orleans. It's a, it's like a it's not it's it's not speak blank. It's it's like what uh, Dallas. Oh, the Big is. Easy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And then what's New York's Easy? Yeah, what's that one. That's uh same thing, the same first two words, but a fruit. But a fruit. Oh, the big apple. Yeah. Yeah. And then Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, well, you look handsome. City, today. city of brotherly love. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Not in a prison way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then Pitts. That was funny. And then Pittsburgh. Uh, the it's Steel a City. Town. Yep. And then St. Louis. That's a hard one. That, that, that's a term. Uh, and and the golden arches have it enshrined on them. It's the blank to the west. Oh, it's the gateway. Yeah, God, yeah. you're good. I would never have got that. And then San Francisco, that that seems like the city of brotherly love too. But it's the city by the. Is it? I mean, city by the sea. Close. Uh, yeah, it starts I don't know. with the B. City oh, by City the, by the Bay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then last one, Seattle. I bet you'll get that. It's a that's it's the a Emerald gem. City. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, you got them all, other than the Big D. Yeah, that's a a lot of those I wouldn't have got. I I knew Emerald City, but like City by the Bay, I wouldn't. Remember. And Gateway to the West, I would not have remembered that. But yeah, that was a tough one. That here's person. the other big question: Have you been to any of those? I mean, I know you've been to Denver, but have you been to all of those? Um, I have not been to New York City. Um. Going back through that list through my head, I think I've been everywhere else. Wow. Yeah. So you're like Johnny Cash or Hank Snow. You've been yeah, there everywhere. you go. Been everywhere, man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been everywhere, man. Oh, boy. Well, I think that's pretty cool that they have those names. I don't think Anchorage has one, does it? The, the city that can't get along? Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It sure seems like that. What else is happening in the news part of people? Jeopardy. Tom, do you watch Jeopardy ever? Uh, on occasion. Yeah. Ken Jennings and is it Mayim Bielek? Uh, they've signed deals to split, which sucks. I wanted Ken Jennings and I wanted the other gal to be gone. They're going to split the hosting duties. Now it's contractual. It's done. And so 
the great, they call him the GOAT, Alex Trebek, the greatest of all time, Alex Trebek, who died November 2020, obviously out of the picture. The 38th season, which featured incredible runs by Amy Schneider and Manamodio and Mattia Roach, ends this week. And Jennings will be at the lectern when the show returns for season 39 in the fall. And um, I guess this Maya Mayhem is also going to be there. I, I don't like her as much i like ken jennings i don't i don't think i've ever you know happened because i don't watch it regularly i just haven't happened to tune in when she's hosting so i haven't seen her do it i haven't seen her do it either i've only seen ken by the way when we talk about game shows what are some of your favorites do you like like the price is right some of these iconic ones you know like like wheel of fortune i've never been a fan of wheel of favorite game show i would probably have to say well you know that locally produced payout at the pump is awesome (laughs) Uh, there you go. <laughs> the number one uh, game show of all time, Payout at the Pump yeah, there with you Tom Steigelman. Yeah, I, I like Wheel of Fortune. I think that's probably my favorite one. Do you remember as a, a young man growing up, some of the shows, I mean, there were so many fun, Password and and uh, the, the one with... The dating the, game. Yep. <laughs> Family oh, Feud's man, always fun. a classic. You know, Richard Feud Dawson hosting that fun one. Fun one, yep. No, there are just yeah. there are so many cool, fun games. What's the one with no whammies? Yeah, I would, oh, you read my mind. I was going to say the whammy one uh, is the one that I really loved. Is that Man, Aces that Wild or Joker's Wild? Is Joker's that what that one Wild. was? Yeah, there's there's a bunch of fun game shows that that I think that that probably Price is Right is is a biggie um, in terms of maybe during the daytime, wouldn't you say Price is Right is the biggest for daytime? Oh, yeah. And the evening so. would be Will of Fortune and Jeopardy? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would guess those two dominate. Do you watch for- any of the daytime shows, or are you busy like No, me? I'm working. I, what do you mean? I don't Did get time for daytime, daytime television dramas? when I was a child. Oh, yeah, I used to watch <laughs> Days of Our Lives when I was a kid. See, and my mom watched uh, All My Children. Yeah, with and Luke so and Laura. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> we just lost our man card. Yeah, we did. If we I ever know. had one. Oh, God. The city of brotherly love is the Tom Steigman, Tom Anderson yeah. morning. Oh, boy. Okay, folks, we're going to come right back. Hey, I just got confirmation we should have a, a, at least one, but maybe a couple candidates as well next Excellent. hour. So you got to stay with us. Good morning, everybody. Tom and Tom here on the Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Okay, so I'm looking here at, I was looking actually at game shows. Welcome back, Tom Anderson Show. And I can't tell which one is the most popular for revenue and other things. It really doesn't show it to that end. But we were talking about that last segment. I would, we, we should have a game show on this show. I mean, I know that back in the day when we gave away prizes, people really appreciated it. So we'll have to come up with something, Tom. What's, should we give swag away or is that boring to people? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. T-shirts. They should call in and tell us, what do you want? Yeah, what do you want? I know what I want. Straight up cash. Yeah. Yeah. I figure that's what <laughs> yeah. people would want as well. 
No, it's yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, there's some things that uh, yeah, I can come up with here pretty quick. I think we just got to figure out how we want to give that away. I got a Phillips Glacier cruise for two. We could do um, Which is, a couple that's of other fun. things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, that's uh, I know there's a lot of different different things that could be done, and oh, I you know I, I you know a, maybe feats of strength. We could do something like that. You know, we could have a bracket. You know, maybe we could put Dave Steering up against Todd Smolden. Yeah, no, you know, well, like, like look at like look at with the with Dalton the against Gary. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. No, that's a, that would be fun. That would be fun to see. By the way, I just Tom, I just emailed you an NPR um, story, and I think that's a fun one. Maybe let me know when you get that up. I'm always checking NPR for they have some good breaking news stuff. And the reason I bring that up in the science realm, NPR, National Public Radio, is particularly good. And there is a news story that they have just published, and it has to do with evidence pointing to the Wuhan seafood market as the pandemic origin point. And I doubt that China released something to affect the entire world, including themselves. I don't know why they would do that unless it was a mistake. My hunch is that it was something that festered, just like we're seeing in Africa, uh, things popping up. Could be wrong, but on the Chinese market side of things, that seems like that seafood market that could have been the, the origin of it. And I'm not Ultimately, I think that that I mean, we're never going to really know, but let, let's listen to NPR to hear what, what their researchers have found. Several studies released over the past few days offer the most convincing evidence yet that the covid pandemic started in a seafood market in Wuhan, China. A separate competing theory holds that the pandemic came from a laboratory leak, but the new studies present physical evidence that the virus emerged in the market. NPR's Michaeline Duclef is here to tell us about this research. Hi there. Hi, Ari. This is the seafood market we've been talking about from the very beginning of this pandemic, right? All the way yes. back in 2019. Yes, the, the, one, the one on seafood, mar seafood market. This was the site of the first large COVID outbreak. That part is not controversial. Um, perhaps thousands of people were infected there. And that market has hundreds and hundreds of stalls packed close together. And people there sell, sold all kinds of meat, frozen, fresh, and live wild animals. So what's new here? These studies have physical evidence. What is it? Yeah, so these studies are preliminary. They haven't been peer-reviewed. But one thing they show is photographic evidence that at least two types of wild animals were sold there that could easily catch SARS-CoV-2 and shed it into the air. These are raccoon dogs and red foxes. And until this study, there had been doubts about whether animals like this, you know, that could be actual sources of the virus, were in the market. Hmm. So photographs of animals that can easily spread the virus. Anything else? Yeah. So these animals, also there's proof that they were held in cages in or near one stall in particular at the market, a stall where scientists actually found a lot of SARS-CoV-2 on surfaces. Michael Warby led two of these studies. He's an evolutionary biologist at the University of Arizona. He says inside this stall, the virus was found on very specific surfaces, including machines where animals were butchered. The samples were very animally. For example, a feather remover, a cart of the sort that we see in photographs that are used for transporting cages. But best of all, a metal cage in a back room. 
best of all is a choice of words there. So we're talking about very early in the outbreak, animals in the market, genetic samples from where they were held showing the virus was there. Like, how are they connecting these dots? Yeah. And he also, they also showed that these cons- conditions existed for years. Warby says about five years before the pandemic, one of his colleagues was actually taken to this exact stall because people were concerned about what could potentially be growing or created there. Very much told this is the kind of place that has the ingredients for cross-species transmission of dangerous pathogens. But just to rule out any other possibilities, is it possible that a person could have brought it into the market and spread it to those animals and to other people there? Yeah. So these papers address that one, too. One of them looks at the genetics of the virus found in the market, and it shows that two different variants jumped into people at almost the exact same time. And it shows that these variants, one of which went on to spread all around the world, couldn't have actually evolved in people. Hmm. So does this end the lab leak theory? Does this rule it out? You know, I was talking to Jeremy Camille about this question. He's a virologist at Louisiana State University Health Shreveport and not involved in this research. He says these studies, along with several others published recently, are really tipping the scales toward an animal origin. Absolutely pushing it that way. It doesn't exclude other hypotheses entirely. But a number of the things that it doesn't exclude are other related, like to the wildlife trade. Like, could people who were trafficking in these animals and bringing them to Wuhan have been infected and brought it to the market? He says, you know, the picture is really becoming clear and clear that the pandemic most likely started in the market and came from an animal. NPR's Michaeline Duclef, thanks for walking through this investigation with us. Thank you, Ari. Yeah, there you go. And that's NPR. Appreciate them. Encourage you to support them and donate and such. So, Tom, do you agree? I know that it's hard. You're not a peer to review it in the science world, but do you think that's likely what happened? It came from a market. Raccoon dog. Nasty. Never I heard of a raccoon, raccoon dog, dog before. Dog burger. <laughs> no, I want to vomit listening yeah. to that. What the hell did they eat there? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh certainly possible um you know i think i was a little more distracted by the tone <laughs> of uh the commentators you know on that it uh they seemed almost giddy you know that uh, particularly the male that was doing the reporting there that uh you know that hey you know it was a market thing not you know released yeah. from a lab and it was like come on you know just can they can the reporters and stuff, and I and this isn't just NPR, but everyone. No, just but by play the way, it I felt that way too. Yeah, he there was a slight giddiness to him saying it's not from the lab. I mean, what what do they care? Yeah, exactly. Meaning, what if it was from the lab? <laughs> yeah. well, why do they want the well, choice I think, to be the the market? Well, because I think that uh, people who were, I and this is probably a bad way to term it, maybe on the more conservative side of things, more on the Trump side of things, believe it's a lab leak type deal. Yeah. And the other side is, well, it had to come from the market. So it's like, oh, look, we're right. You know, and uh, I don't know. Uh, but either way, uh, you know, it sure would be great if uh, there could be a real solution for that thing. And that virus could uh, get solved and get squashed down and go away. No, that's true. Very I mean, true. Bottom line, that's what that's what we all want is to get past this thing. I was looking at the headlines here local. If we, if you want to get off COVID for once, I know that Gary listens and says, no more COVID, <laughs> less politics and more what's happening here and now. And I, I don't blame you. Sorry. 
Sorry to disappoint. ADN.com reporting Fairbanks teen fatally shot three siblings before killing himself. That's Oof. the latest news, and it's an awful story. Alaska State Troopers found four children dead in Fairbanks this week. Apparent homicide, suicide. Troopers received a report of shots being fired at a home in the Sky Ridge Drive subdivision in the Fairbanks area. When troopers arrived, they found four children dead from apparent gunshot wounds. Oh, awful. A 15-year-old boy had shot three of his siblings before shooting and killing himself. All seven children found in the home are siblings. Three siblings who troopers believe were shot and killed by the 15-year-old boy were 5, 8, and 17. Hmm. It just, it's awful. I don't know what's worse than a story like that. I'm sorry. I just, uh, it's, it's awful. And let's get off that one. We'll give you an update if there's more to come. Um, a kayaker lost his prosthetic leg in Campbell Creek. Friends are searching and searched and found it. You want to hunt for a leg? <laughs> That's that was the it's, it's let's go find some treasure was the pitch. Yeah, I, I think I would have kind of liked to, you know, been able to hear that phone, that first phone call. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Hey, We're, Tom, I lost my leg in the creek. Can you come yeah, help me? Could you help me find it? <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. Well, we're going to come back. Scott Clayton's going to join us, state senate candidate out in my neck of the woods. And we'll have a lot more next hour local news as well. So happy Thursday. Grab your coffee. Take a deep breath. We'll be back in a few minutes. Good morning. Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. We have a lot of candidates running in our legislative races across the state with redistricting. Every 10 years, there's the census, and then shortly thereafter, states assign a redistricting board, and maps are changing all the time. And this year in Alaska, we have a lot of new Senate district configurations. We have 20 total, and one of them, District N, is in Nancy, is my district, my Senate district. Meadow Lakes is included in that, and pretty much half of it remains the same. Incumbent David Wilson is the the serving sitting legislator in the Senate, but half of it is new. And a friend of mine, Scott Clayton, decided to throw his hat in the ring and file. So he's a state Senate candidate. And I think David Wilson's taken notice because, Scott, you've got signs, thoughtful signs. You've got you've got a rack card. You've got radio. You've got all the things necessary to get your name out. And I know you're going door to door. Welcome to the program. Tell me about Scott Clayton. What's your background and why did you decide to run for state Senate? Well, thanks for having me on. I, uh, you know, I've been looking forward to coming on and talking to people on your show. And uh, thank you both for what you do. Yeah, I, I decided to run really uh, for one reason. I was hearing from teachers. Uh, this is during COVID that there were um, a lot of teachers not coming back to school, and they said there's a huge need. Sometimes a hundred absences. So, anyways, I started to teach, uh, substitute teach to fill in that gap. Um, 
And I was blown away. I think I came home, Tom, and said, Morgan, we cannot send our kids to public school. It was that bad. So we have to homeschool. In fact, I had one kid, um, a boy came up to me and he said, uh, I don't need to turn this in. I'm going to pass anyways. And I think that's when I realized we have a problem. Oh, this boy. is, it was bad. See, what, what he realized, kids take the path of least resistance. You know, they, they really fall to the bar that we set and we have failed them. We have, we have set that bar on the ground and, um, education has become a passion. Uh, I didn't know that I had, and it drives me to look at my district and I said, wow, okay. So the Senate seat 28 or N or the house, uh, sure. District two house districts. Yep. In the Senate. You bet. And of those two, David Wilson, he cannot stay. He is a, he comes from the, I think the social work arena and I don't know his background. I've never received a newsletter from yeah, him. I've, I've been a constituent. He's from California. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's from California, a social worker, his bills. You just look at his donation record and all of his bills make sense. And, um, you know, he's not for Alaska. I think he's dangerous for Alaska's healthcare system. His, and you know, he's a proponent of mental health. Alaska's struggling right now. Um, but I, as I look at my bills that I want to put forward, I want to put forward a bill. Uh, we we have credits for the state of Alaska that that are mandatory to take. You know, four language arts, three social studies, two math, two science, basic stuff. However. We give the schools, local schools, nine credits to play with. And most of the time they do advisory programs. These are, these are classes where they can make up any late work they want. And so kids knowing that they have periods where they can make up any amount of late work for the quarter, there's no incentive to do their work. I'm a proponent of natural consequences of in implementing, uh, you know, because anybody can point out you know, problems. We, anybody can do that all day long, but this is about finding solutions and education has become a huge problem. So, uh, even implementing a summer school, mandatory summer school for those kids that have failed, received an F and social passes are really creating a casual atmosphere for, uh, our schooling system. Well, um, and, and with education, we're talking with Scott Clayton, who's a state Senate candidate out here in the Valley. Education's a passion. You substitute taught, but you're, you're not a certified teacher. That wasn't your route. Tell us your background prior to substitute teaching. I mean, I know that you're an entrepreneur and you've owned several businesses in the construction trades. I also know that you're a disabled Marine. So tell us about that. When did you join the Marines? Yeah, so I, I went to went to school in Idaho for business and I studied, uh, uh, originally exercise physiology and I had started win washing windows cause it was a small town. And, uh, I knew that I could go door to door and find, uh, you know, just, uh, oddball jobs to do to get me by and, uh, ended up washing windows and it really took off and it, it, it prompted me to, to switch my degree from exercise physiology to, to business, that's how much I loved it, and uh, ended up, you know, washing commercial windows and and uh, uh, steered away from residential. And um, I worked that all through school, and then decided that I was gonna, you know, I felt the, uh, a duty to serve. I didn't want to live a life where I hadn't served in the military, so I 
I decided to join the Marine Corps and I was a Ford observer in the Marine Corps. Um, phenomenal MOS. Uh, there's nothing like, like feeling an A-10 flyover OP observation point. You can feel it in your bones. And, um, and then, you know, I was convincing my wife to come back to Alaska. And I think she said, you know, hey, we can move anywhere that is not cold. So oh, it was no. a hard sell to get her oh, up to Alaska. No. It was tough. And so you have a couple kids, little little whippersnappers, and, and you came here, and I know you have family here, and I also know that you've had other businesses in the technological world. You're actually capable. You design your website. You design your logo. You're one of these jack-of-all-trades. You you have I know you've built things, and you just got back from fishing. You're an outdoorsman. You're a recreator. So now you jump in. And you assess the conservative Senate district and you say, okay, half of it's the incumbent, half of it isn't. I have a shot at winning this. Now you have to, beyond what you've read and heard in the news, like on my show, I know you listen to our show and read ADN and watch Alaska's news source. Now you have to get into the the issues. And we've got about a minute left before we go to break it and we'll come back with Scott Clayton for one more segment. But I mean, are the top issues what we're hearing from other candidates, Scott? Economy, public safety, education. Are, are these the big the big bells that, that you'll be ringing when you get to Juno? Yeah, so I divided them up into very realistic goals, things that I want to pursue my first term, and then dream items, things that I really want to push, things that are going to be more difficult. And uh, one of my uh, big goals, things that I want to work on is our education system. I think the way that we have uh, established our, our elections here in the state is abysmal. I so think, election uh, systems too, okay. Correct. Yeah, we have a lot that we could work on. Yeah, well, we're going to come back with Scott Clayton. He's running in Senate District N. And so if you have questions, I'd love to hear from you. He'll take your calls as well. We had a few calls when we had Governor, former Governor Bill Walker on, and I thought those were engaging. If any of you support Scott, if any of you support uh, other opponents, if, if any of you have a question, please feel free to call in. We have him for one more segment. The phone lines are open, 907-357, like the gun, 357-5868. 357-5868. Scott Clayton coming right back here on the Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Hey, we're back with Scott Clayton. Scott is a Senate candidate, state Senate for District N, and I'll have him describe where that is. He's a father. He's a husband. He's a person of faith. He's a disabled Marine. He's an entrepreneur degreed, and he's also someone that stepped up like he did to serve for office and stepped up to serving schools and he said i'm gonna i want to dabble in i may want to go down the education uh line of career and if i do i want to see what it's like to be a substitute teacher when he was there his eyes were open and he said oh my gosh some kids are brilliant thoughtful engaged and others are not and how do we inspire and what rules and protocols do we change and so 
That's my kind of state senator. Scott, before we get into issues, I want to talk about economy. You mentioned health care on the break. What is Senate District N? I know it's Meadow Lakes where I live, but what else is it? Well, it dips down below to down KGB, and it goes all the way to the trunk road, all the way up into Meadow Lakes. So it's really a dense uh, central uh, area of of Wasilla. And, you know, our area depends on the PFD. I'm really proud of Governor Dunleavy and, and how he's bringing back uh, the PFD to Alaskans that depend on it. And as I go door to door and talk to our district, um, that's, it's clear that that's a, a, a huge worry for our district. Um, and, of course, Senator Wilson is trying to get rid of it. And um, we can um, the people's right to the BFD. You mentioned on break, we were talking about health care and certificate of need, which is so people understand that the laws changed many years ago, where if you want to, let's say, do surgery outside of a hospital, you have to get a certificate of need. It was a protectionist measure by the hospital so that the doctors would be going into a hospital to perform surgery. They felt it was safer and more efficient. The the, the entrepreneurs in the medical world that said, uh, no, it's still going to be safe, they were looking at a, a different vision of having a surgery center off campus of a hospital. Then radiologic technicians doing x-rays, doing minor surgeries, you know, emergency care, trying to get like a, like Capstone Clinic has an urgent care. That was, you know, certificate of need there to get a hospitals. What's your play on that, Scott? God, do you like their certificate? Well, let me of let me describe not? it. Yeah, well, let me describe it a little bit differently. So, certificate of need, um, you have uh, in the healthcare medical world, you have profitable services and unprofitable. Hospitals are required to do everything. So, whether somebody can pay or not, they have to treat them, and that's great. That's a wonderful service we have in our community. It's absolutely essential. They're open twenty four hours. And the fact that you can start a profitable service that takes revenue away from the hospitals makes it harder for them to keep their doors open because they have to cover everything while their competitors um, can open from eight to five and they require that you have to pay. And um, that just makes competitive pricing for one service only and making it harder for hospitals to serve our area. And our hospital here in Matsu Valley is very vulnerable, would would completely go under if we uh, did away with the certificate of need. And, you know, he's judging that. He's he's using the metrics of a time when we went away from the certificate of need uh, during COVID for 11 months. He's saying that nothing, nothing bad happened when we did that. And it's just... It's not a good comparison. It's not a good example to use uh, to affect Alaskans like that. When we look at public safety, you were asking me what's happened in my area. And, and my dad, who's a retired state trooper colonel, he helped start the Neighborhood Watch program out here. And, and you know that, Scott, and folks listening, you know that you can go to the Department of Public Safety and work with the trooper with the, you know, the vision. They have a person assigned to help you with the process in your neighborhood. There's some rules on how to get that up. And then you get these signs, you know, beware. This is Neighborhood Watch. We're all looking out for each other. And like on Seymour Lake, where I live in Meadow Lakes, we have that on both sides. Neighbors did it on the other side. And then my dad did it on this side. And so that's 
good, right? Fine and dandy. Well, it's making uh, a difference. But let me tell you, no, it's we, not always. I'm just jumping in, Scott, to say that it's not always. And I'll get to the question. We had our catalytic converter stolen over the summer in our RV. That's been happening here and there. Riffraff coming through. A few years ago, before we had the signs up, we had our, our uh, small boat motor stolen off our little boat on the lake. Someone came up on the lake. So crime is still around. Neighborhood watch signs aren't going to resolve it. Well, so my question, if you're a state senator, obviously you can't direct more troopers, but you can help with the appropriations with the funding and you can work with the governor and his commissioner as a policymaker. Do you think the answer is more troopers? Do you think it's more uh, patrols? Do you think it's more criminal investigation so someone can find the guy who stole my catalytic converter? But what do you think the solution is or is it kind of a mix of Ideas. Well, it, it would be a mix of, of those. I, I think we need to, the, the function, the necessary functions of a state, you know, public safety, that's very, that's, that's high on the list. And we sure. need to fund, yeah, we need to have well-funded uh, law enforcement, law and orders crucial so we can't let out um, the same perpetrators uh, of these crimes on bail. And I think that's rolling into our state where we see that. I just want to kind of piggyback off this issue. Well, by the way, you brought up something on, you brought up criminology and such. So you're saying it's not just, your answer is it's not just more cops. You're saying it's tougher sentences. It's changing the court system as well. That's correct. Well, and that's what I was getting at is that how Alaska elects their judges is completely bananas. Uh, And if we, if we redid that, uh, we would be better served all the way in the Matsu Valley. Would you like to see a more conservative bench? Do you think that the the liberal nature of judges affects divorces, affects child custody, affects criminal sentences? Because remember, there's a civil court and there's a criminal court. Uh, I've heard that from the right for years that our system is broken. And yet the trial attorney association and the, and the lawyers, you know, the bar association love it because typically lawyers lean left of center. That, that is correct. You know, when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, paint on my face in a hole, uh, knowing that I wanted to come back to Alaska and raise my family here, um, I, I, I could feel that Alaska was shifting left, and I didn't want it to turn into a Portland, Oregon, and New York full of crime. And uh, that's what I was seeing happen. This is right during uh, when when riots were going crazy all over the country, and it was happening Defund in Defund police. Remember that, hey, Minneapolis? Seattle uh, says defund yeah. the police. I mean, well, who's going to protect it? It's just nonsense. Yeah. Well, well what I was going to say here, Tom, sure. is, you know, uh, even if the state uh, did really well when we, we voted uh, laws on life that, that protected the unborn, uh, who was going to enforce it? And right now we have judges that wouldn't enforce that law. Um, so I think I think restructuring how we elect our judges is crucial. So you're pro-life, you're pro-cop, certainly pro-military, although as a state legislator, you're not going to deal with military funding, but there's at least a military and veterans committee. You probably would jump on that if you were serving. Well, there's, there's, more, there's more the state could do to military mental health. And, and that, that's key. That's a part of my campaign is military mental health. There's more that the state could do um, to bridge that gap. You know, and, and, and our VA system should be, we, we have an incredible VA system for Alaska. I think best, best in the country. Um, but there's more we could do, community outreach to, uh, and, I, and I support programs uh, that, that help veterans after 
uh, when they get out. Sure. Well, and that's important. And imagine how many veterans we have in Senate District N out here in the Valley. And imagine how many teachers and, and, and healthcare providers and, and union workers and folks that work at Three Bears and Safeway and Target and Walmart. I mean, there's a whole spectrum of folks that are working. And I, you know, you would also serve those that don't work. I don't know if they vote, but, but I know that you're cognizant of the fact there are parents like you with young and old. There are grandparents. I mean, the collective of constituency you'd be representing, it, it's not overwhelming, but it's a big deal. And that's why with all the House members that call in, you know, the candidates, I'm, I'm so praising of them. But the Senate district is, folks, it's bigger than an assembly district in Anchorage. It's two House seats. So you'll have your work cut out for you. Scott, what I'd like to do, you know, good luck in the August 16th primary. Uh, the way it works, folks, you, you, you know, the, the top four move on and there's only four, I think, or three in, in your, I mean, you're going to move on to the general. And I'd like to get you back after the primary election. We'll look at the results and then talk about more issues. Is that cool? That's great. Okay. Yep, that would be great. And then last question, we're talking with Scott Clayton. He's a state Senate candidate out here in the Valley. If you like what you heard or you didn't like it or you have more questions, Scott, how can people get a hold of you, like online? You have a website and Facebook. Is it just under your name? Yeah, my website is clayton4ak.com and aksenate.com. And I, you know, I'm always willing to, to chat. I, I talk to people at the door a lot and uh, that. You know, I know that David Wilson will outfund me, but I'll outwork him. And um, I'm I'm loving meeting people and hearing that we really are a unified district. So yeah, that's, that's been encouraging. Be, that's encouraging and inspirational. And the fact that you're out door to dooring over the summer when you could be recreating or doing stuff with your kids and wife. Uh, and I know you have to balance that good on you because that that's how people win elections is door to door. So, okay, Scott, thanks so much. Scott Clayton, he's a candidate for Senate District N out here in the Valley. We'll get him back in the future. Thanks so much for your time, Scott. Folks, it's the Tom Anderson Show. Stay with us. Good morning. The Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KBNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Hey, we are back. Good morning, everybody. Tom Anderson Show. And it's always a pleasure to get folks from the service arena. And I mean service arena like when we're talking about all the groups out there that help out and support the community and from the lions tiny's joining us and and tiny you you've been active and i think you've called in before we get so many guests calling and sometimes i get discombobulated as they say but senator stoltz former senator bill stoltz had recommended you called in to kind of give an update not just on on events but but the momentum even through covid 
that that the Eagle River Lions has made and and the impact of that and and one of the reasons why like our last caller Scott Clayton the candidate why there's a lot of good people that could join your organization and grow it even bigger so welcome to the program and and what's happening with the Lions and and how can folks listening support you good morning Tom how are you good so we're uh, we have yes we've had a huge amount of growth in the last three to four years um our our club membership has more than doubled and a lot of it is because you know, we did have some issues with covid but we were able to still find ways to continue serving the community even through that and a lot of people saw that and and they felt that we were a good organization to be a part of and so they have uh, it seems like come to us in droves and they're getting right involved and and making a difference in the community as they can only do. And it's a great, great deal having people that are, you know, so interested in it. And one of the things that we're, we've been working on for a long time is uh, getting basic ownership of the park that we manage, which is a 40 acre spot of land. If you've never been to your ever Lions No, park. I've been to it. It's but, huge. That's, that's a, that's a giant yeah. area that you guys manage. It is, it is, with baseball fields, football fields, basketball courts, uh, tennis courts that we just resurfaced and repainted, and um, yeah, room for all the community to have a good time and, and enjoy themselves and get some outdoor recreation, which was so important during COVID as well, you know, be able to get out and do stuff outside where you weren't having to worry about, you know, the spread of something nasty. Of course. Um, but We've been working on this uh, project uh, with the state to, to uh, make this happen. And with uh, our representative, uh, Kelly Merrick, she wrote a bill that many of the, our local uh, representatives sponsored, co-sponsored. And we got it through both houses, and the governor's coming to sign it this uh, Saturday in a signing ceremony. So we're putting on a big free community picnic. We want everybody to come down and be a part of our celebration because it's been a long time running getting this uh, getting this done yeah it sounds like it. you were the former president are the former president and i think it's is it ryan johnson um who uh, who's the current president and you guys obviously putting in uh, a lot of the, i was going to joke and say the lion share ding ding of the work <laughs> for the lions club but but you mentioned Merrick, and there are other folks that that helped on that equally and, and aggressive. And I know you guys don't get political. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you vote and do it maybe privately, but the Lions Club sure. can't get, nor can the Kiwanis or Rotary or Moose or Elks or any of them, nope. some of which I've been a part of as well. But I will tell you that that it's nice to see – I guess I'd say conservative, and Merrick's not conservative in my opinion. But but, um, and no offense to her, I no, I support another candidate there. But but I would say just that you have patriots, guys like Bill Stoltz, and and the Kathy Tiltons, and the you know Laura Reinbold, Dan Sadler's running, Sharon Jackson's running, Jamie Allard. I mean, you have a really a treasure trove of patriotic, pro cop, pro military, pro Lions Club, pro you know, responsible economic development in that area. So probably a question you didn't expect me to ask, but I will. Do you think that that 
bodes well for you? And has that helped your, as much as your participation and efforts and, you know, public donations and all of your hard work? Do you think that having a kind of a faith-based Lions Club mission-centric legislative delegation on the assembly too, Crystal Kennedy and Kevin Cross and Jamie Allard. I know Mayor Bronson supports you guys. That really helps, doesn't it, in a community? Oh, it certainly helps. And it certainly, uh, with Rep McCarty, he's one of our uh, our members, and he's been a, a huge help with especially uh, getting the tennis courts resurfaced re, uh, and redone. Um, but having knowing that the people that are our elected officials uh, realize that this park and our our club are incredibly important to the community really helps. You know, it's just one thing we don't have to fight over. You know, that we don't have to work against. They they get it. They know that we uh, are there for the community. That we serve the community, and that's all that matters. And they know that by making us succeed we're helping us the the community succeed basically yeah yeah no that's a bit and i support mccarty and my uh, my company works with him so full disclosure but no that's yeah that's right ken mccarty's out there too for those of you in eagle river listening Mm -hmm. and and fighting the fight on behalf of the lions and is an active member so those things matter in terms of the the bill signing and what's next I mean, what, like when you look at when you were president, was, was it about fundraising? Was it about members? Was it about, as I mentioned earlier, momentum to continue to deploy and deliver on the projects you're working on? Was it to create new projects like in Rotary? We always think of new ideas as much as other activities that we've done and continue to do annually. Or is it all the things I mentioned? You, you wear a lot of hats in recruitment and donations and projects. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you're in the midst with everything, basically. And and last year was really kind of, a, you know, because we were just coming off all the problems with COVID and the issues with COVID, making sure that we uh, got our legacy projects up and running again and made sure that they were uh, successful, plus coming up with, with new things like, say, to, to work on. Um, one of the things that was my key projects was we have a whole uh, – probably 10 acre area of park that's underdeveloped that hasn't uh, had any use. And so we've been working together to uh, come up with possible new uses for that area to get the more of the park utilized and available for the community. And, um, so, you know, yeah, we're always about everything really. I mean, that's, that's the deal. We don't think anybody really just does one thing that, which is nice. <laughs> and then when, when it comes to the Lions Club, I mean, I don't know how many Lions members there are in Alaska, but this is a pitch, folks, to join. If you live in the Eagle River, Chugach, Peters Creek, Birchwood area, Klutna area, that Lions Club might be of interest to you and you could enjoy it. The, the community service part, helping people and meeting new friends. And if you, you know, most people aren't bored, but I mean, it kind of gets you off your off your bum and, and out there and active. Are, are you guys the biggest membership obviously anchorage commons has a more a little bit more population than eagle river chugiak but yours seems robust and active and large so i mean are you one of the bigger groups in the state of alaska for lions truthfully i don't know the answer to that but we there are so many lions clubs in, across the state some of them are, are very small very specialized like we have a club that works with us and works out of our uh, building uses our 
park facilities near the uh, snowcross lines, and their basic uh, focus is getting kids out and getting them on snow machines in the winter, and, and they do a great job of that, but they're a very small group. Um, and there's a lot of those Lions clubs all over Anchorage and all over the state that are uh, either just focused on one thing or they're more uh, broad-based club like ours is does all sorts of but you're not like comparing numbers no that makes sense i mean you could probably research that i would just i'd be intrigued i'm a stats guy statistical guy so i like to see my guess is based on not just your your folks's appearances on my show but what i've heard i've had many friends active in lions like you know we mentioned representative ken mccarty you're like well he's a member he helped get tennis courts Mm -hmm. and you mentioned other candidates and such and then bill stoltz as a former uh lawmaker and member and you have a lot of business owners and, and folks so no i statistics aside i'm certainly proud of what mm-hmm. you do last question if they want to follow you if they mean in the audience the public uh tiny and they say hey we want to join or we want to look at when their events are or maybe we can donate maybe a business owner's listening and says heck i'll donate to them is, is online the best way or is it the best way on social media like a facebook page to get a hold of you guys and to, to get active Facebook is definitely probably the easiest. We, we do have all our information, and it's under uh, Eagle River Alaska Lions Club. Okay. Well, um, I'll find that on Facebook right now, Eagle River Alaska Lions Club, and I'll post that in my podcast link. Hey, look forward to seeing a lot of people at the signing. Congratulations on that, Tiny, and thanks so much for your time and calling in. You bet you it'll be from 12 to 4 on Saturday. Okay, okay there you go. 12 to 4 on Saturday, folks. And I'll post the Facebook link if you want to sign up and, and follow them and, and maybe join. Tiny, God bless you. Keep up the good work. This is the Tom Anderson Show, folks. Stay with us. Good morning. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Hey, we're back, boy. I have to remind you again, and it's just awful, uh, this story, Alaska's news source, four children dead, a a kid, a 15-year-old, went berserk on his siblings, like a five and a seven, I think a 17-year-old. Uh, from teens to younger, and then he killed himself. And I just, you wonder what's going on there. And uh, I, I just, it's awful. Tom, if we could go not to that clip, but alaskasnewsource.com has two clips that rather than read, I like to sometimes bring them in to our show. And I hope they don't mind that. I appreciate the fact that they do the heavy lifting. And I encourage you to watch Alaska's news source at five and six in the evenings beyond listening to our radio show with Jim Bohannon. You can do both. But one of them is at the very top Anchorage assembly overrides the mayor's veto on sheltering costs. And I'd like the public to understand what's happening there. There's also other stories, Anchorage woman collecting donations for Centennial Campground. We know that there was a shooting there and some riffraff and problems in Centennial Park. I, I agree with Assemblymember Allard, who's running for State House, who who says, hey, it's better that it happens there where it's encapsulated and, and uh, you know, you can 
grab people. If someone does something bad, they have a way to get out on that frontage road that's slow and you could catch them and block them. And the other way goes to the water purification plant. So, I mean, they're, they're just stuck. And so if there is going to be a bad place, I don't wish any of the homeless harm, but I mean, that's the place to do it because you're going to catch the scoundrel that, that perpetrates. But when it comes to what's happening with sheltering costs and such, um, the, the Anchorage Assembly has overridden the mayor's veto. So I know this gets complicated. Wait, is it going to pass? Is it not going to pass? Is there a veto or is it overriding? That means it's not vetoed. So the money does go through. It's a lot of money. Uh, Alaska's news source covers that. What we are seeing at uh, Centennial is really decades of a failed housing policy in Anchorage. Demonstrators gathering outside the Lusak Library in Anchorage this evening, challenging city officials to do something about the homelessness crisis here in Anchorage. Good evening. Tensions still palpable between community members and those who are meant to be leading our city, with some calling the situation at Centennial Park Campground a humanitarian crisis. Now, tonight, the Anchorage Assembly meeting to discuss several related policies and proposals. Reporter Connor Matson is joining us live from the Lusak this evening. Beth, many people came up today during the public comment period to express their concerns about what's happening at the Centennial Park campground. At the Assembly's July 12th meeting, the Anchorage Assembly passed an ordinance that would appropriate $2.8 million from the Municipal Area-Wide Fund, moving the money there into their COVID-19 fund in hopes of being reimbursed later by FEMA. Mayor Dave Bronson vetoed that and wanted the money to be instead be taken out out of the Alcohol Beverage Retail Sales Tax Fund. And tonight, the Assembly voted to override that veto. The municipality, however, maintains it is still unlikely that 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 money will be and be will be not reimbursed by FEMA. These funds are to be provided to the Anchorage Health Department to be used for sheltering costs such as labor, supplies, professional services, mass care, and other related expenses. FEMA may provide assistance only for the following emergency protective measures in response to COVID-19 declared events, and then sub under that non-congregate medical sheltering. That adjective medical, I think, is the operative term here. Um, so, yes, the way that, that the administration is interpreting this is it has to be non-congregate medical sheltering. The Assembly has begun taking public testimony over an ordinance that was brought forth by Mayor Bronson to allow the Parks and Recreation Director to waive permit restrictions at campsites owned by the municipality. As it's written, this would, if passed, only be when the Director finds it in the public interest to do so. The municipal code says a person or group of persons shall be allowed a permit for no more than seven consecutive days at any one campsite and for no more than 14 days at any combination of campsites. Again, that debate underway right now, but no decision has been made just yet. Another ordinance the Assembly was scheduled to hear testimony on tonight is an item that would reappropriate $2.5 million from the Alcohol Beverages Retail Sales Tax Fund and also another $1.5 million of that same fund to be used as a as a direct grant to United Way for rental unit rehabilitation, the Anchorage Health Department for emergency sheltering to include cold weather response, and the Anchorage Coalition and Homelessness to be used for expanded outreach and transportation services. 
And lastly, assembly members had an ordinance on the agenda seeking to move $3.4 million of the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021 local fiscal recovery funds as a direct grant to First Presbyterian Anchorage for the that purchase gets, I know of the guest house in downtown Anchorage. That facility is in downtown and would be used for additional workforce housing units. The meeting is still going on right now, so make sure to head to alaskasnewsource.com for all the up-to-date information. Beth? All right, Connor Matson reporting. There we go. Tom, I don't know if you could hear me. <laughs> hear me there. I kept saying we can crank it down. Is my mic on? Uh, yeah, you are awesome. now. Yeah. Okay, good. No, but I was just, yeah, he, he's getting into some of the minutiae there that I wanted you to hear, but I know it's hard to track and follow because when there was a budget and there's an override and there's a veto or there's a veto, then an override, it's hard to follow. And then also the question of how much and is it in entirety or piecemeal? And then, of course, the efficacy, the prudence, is a policy structure change like this worthwhile? Is it a crisis? I don't don't think so. Dalton calling in from Matsu. Dalton, what do you think about Park if you're calling on that issue and funding and that they're over, you know, basically Mayor Bronson thinks they're paying too much money there and too much is going to nonprofits and other entities that that there's not a result from it. And I agree with the mayor. Well, first off, they will put anybody on that TV to tell you the news. I mean, these are goblins. But the second thing is get out of Stankeridge. What 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 person thought that you were that this was going to change? I know what happened. They put Bronson in, and everybody said, "Oh my gosh, we're going to change. Everything's going to be good." I said, "Y'all, this is not going to change. Get out!" And so, get out of Anchorage. That's all I can tell you. Get out. It's not going to stop. Now, if y'all would put me in, in, in as mayor, oh yeah, it would be a throwdown. We would be winning some. But man, Dalton nobody's going to fight. Yeah, That's no. Let, let let's let's talk about where would you move have you ever been to girdwood have you ever been to eagle river chugiak yes you have would you move to you those can't places? go there or do you mean you can't go out? to eagle river so you mean get out you of the valley and move to the borough matt sue okay. yeah yeah that's what i move uh, right across that river that's why you got to get out of that jurisdiction these yeah. are crazy people man these people are satanists just look around, man. They are, I mean, really Satanists. I sent you a, a clip the other day on how they're taking DNA and selling it to China so they can make a bioweapon. And I told y'all this three, four, five years ago. Everybody laughed. It's on Forbes magazine and Breitbart. All over it. The, the, when you go to take that fake test, that PCR fake test, they, I mean, why would they do this? They're making a killing selling your DNA. I want and, people and to buy your it. DNA, and I want more Daltons. I would love that. That would be a dream and a miracle come true to have Daltons. Well, they got my DNA because I've been to prison, so I, I know they got my DNA because I've been to prison. They well, probably well got let it. me ask this question: it, In terms of business, if you're frustrated with Anchorage as a resident and with politics, what about in business? Has it been more pleasant because you had a thriving business in Midtown Anchorage, save on flooring, and now and Dalton still serves Anchorage residents, of course, but but he he is now as a beautiful shop out here in the valley, next to Country Legends and or Country Classics, and you you have a thriving business. Is it better and has it been more palatable here in the valley, or is, is it the same as in Anchorage for business? Sake? I just found, listen. I just found out one of these big carpet companies in in Alaska, a big one. 
they're, they're not paying their installers because their installers are coming to me crying about it. Then, then their customers called me trying to get an installer. The bottom line is everybody bought floors during this fake pandemic. They were sitting there staring at their floors, locked up like a, like a criminal, and they, they sat there and looked at their floors, and they got sick of it. They called, and they got new floors. So everybody in Anchorage, and there's no building in Anchorage because you're, you're in a bowl, so everybody in Anchorage already got floors. So I you know what? I'm out. I'm going to go somewhere where still need some floors where some building is going on, and, uh, and that's, that's how I made it. And so, so yeah, yeah. get out of Stankerage. I can't believe Mike Roberts, I told him a long time ago, you better sell your house. Now you can't sell it. Well, I live in the valley, and poor Tom Steigman and his family are hunkered down in Anchorage, weeping as you say. Tom, this. you better sell your house over there, man, quick! Man, you just put <laughs> floors in it. I'm not selling that thing. Gotta have it sell good. Yeah. Oh boy, Dalton! Thanks for the call. Always, uh, always. Holler uh, back, y'all. Riveting call. Holler back. That's Dalton Stokes. Save on flooring and Matsu covering all of South Central, folks. We're gonna come back tomorrow. Happy Friday tomorrow. Today it's Thursday, my favorite day. Charlie Kirk is next up. Please drive safe. Try to smile and God bless. I know that you can lend a helping hand because it's good in everyone and a new day has begun. You can see the morning sun if you try.